Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Lionsgate Podcast with Saudi and Omni. I'm Omni. And I'm Saudi. And today is part four, our final part in our true crime crossover, all about the Murdoch murders. Just a quick disclaimer because of who we're dealing with. Everything said on this podcast is based on our personal opinions and theories based off of everything that we have seen that has already been published or read or listened to. Now, the Murdochs are a prominent family in South Carolina. Alec Murdoch's family, including his great-grandfather, down to his father, served as a solicitor on the 14th Judicial Circuit from 1920 to 2006, which is an elective official similar to a district attorney. It's very connected to law enforcement. So there's Alec Murdoch and then Alec's wife, which was Maggie Murdoch. And then they had two sons named Buster and Paul Murdoch. Now, usually what we have done for the last three episodes is that we go over each case and we talk about our theories and who we think did it and whatnot. And then we do a channeling at the end to get the perspective of the victim on the other side. For this one, the victims are Paul and Maggie and we already know who murdered them. He is in jail right now and we will go over to that case, but we did want to talk about how there won't really be a channeling at the end. Given the circumstances, of some of the previous victims and what they had to say. When you go to channel somebody, there's a lot of energy involved. Um, it's an energy exchange and we just don't want a part of that negative energy. So we're going to keep it to that. We're going to go over the case and then we're going to talk a little bit about how this whole experience as a whole has been. So stay tuned. Let us go over the Paul and Maggie and what happened to them. So last episode was about the boat accident, and that was kind of the catalyst of exposing the Murdoch family for their financial fraud because they ended up getting a lot of spotlight on them, at least for Alex's financial missteps. On June 7th, 2021, 22-year-old Paul Murdoch and 52-year-old Maggie Murdoch were found dead at their Moselle property in South Carolina, which was the same property that Gloria Satterfield was murdered at. At 10.07 p.m., Paul's dad, Alec Murdoch, called 911. So when you listen to the 911 call that Alec puts out, there's a few inconsistencies. I mean, he does seem pretty distraught. It's not like when Maggie called 911 and she just seemed irritated and emotionless. He did seem distraught. And then you get to see the body cam footage of the police getting there. And he does seem upset. Mm -hmm. Well, there was one thing about the 911 call that I thought was weird is I guess when you call 911, it starts recording a few seconds before the 911 operator answers. Yeah. So there was like dead silence. You could hear the dogs barking, but he was completely silent. Alec was. Mm. And then as soon as the 911 operator came on, he let it out. He was like, oh, and like freaking out. It goes to show how pathological he is mm-hmm. in his demeanor and everything, like how committed he is to wearing this mask. Mm-hmm. So in the 911 call, Alec doesn't even express that he's scared that there's a killer there. And for me, if I come to a murder scene, I would probably take off knowing that they were dead. It took the cop that got there to clear the scene one minute. One minute to clear the entire scene to be like, yeah, they're dead. There's nobody else here. Let's call first responders. So it was very obvious that they had passed away. So if he had approached the scene like that, I would assume well, yeah. any person 
that wasn't faking it would be scared <laughs> or at least say something about it. Mm-hmm. Because then when the police showed up, he did say, but because of the situation, I do have a gun and it's around the corner. Well, we can even back up and go through their day together. Yeah. And how they ended up over there. Maggie wasn't even living at that house. Yeah. She was living at another house because she just didn't like it there anymore. I mean, her housekeeper died there and she started being called like rumored around the area that she was a murderer, like murder Maggie or something like that. And she just didn't feel comfortable there anymore. Mm -hmm. So she was mostly living at a different resident. Yeah, which was also having work done at the time. And they were getting ready for 4th of July. Okay. She was planning on having like a big get together Mm -hmm. for that. So in the meantime, Alex's dad was very sick and he wasn't expected to make it very much longer. The night before, he called Maggie and begged her, we need to come to the Moselle house and we all need to go out together and see my dad because he might not make it very much longer. And Maggie had talked to one of her friends about that and she was like, I don't really want to go, but I felt like I need to because I do love his dad. Mm -hmm. And so she decided to do it against her better judgment. There must have been something within her that was like, man, I don't really want to go. Well, I know at that point in time, some of the interviews I had listened to or watched had said that she and Alec were kind of not on the outs, but she was getting a forensic accountant to look into their accounts at that point Mm. because of the boat accident. His accounts were being all reviewed and a lot of fraud was getting exposed at that point. Yeah, that day that he went to work, he was actually confronted by one of his co-workers Mm -hmm. about the money not lining up. Yep. So he knew that he was going down for that shit. Oh, yeah. And forensic accountants, just so y'all know, are $500 an hour. They're not cheap. Mm-hmm. If you get one, it's because you already know there's fraud. You just have to prove it. And there could have been other things, too. I mean, he was obviously on drugs, yeah. which he has admitted that over and over again. He also has charges against him for trafficking methamphetamines. Oh, I didn't know he actually got charged with it. Well, I know his cousin Eddie did, which we're going to talk about later, and he was involved in that. Cousin Eddie. Uh-huh. <laughs> we'll talk about him later. But yeah, so there was a lot pressing down on him financially. And then Paul wasn't living there anymore either. So he had also called Paul the day before and told him the same story that he told Maggie to get both of them at that house that night. That sounds like premeditation to me for sure. And then why didn't he call Buster? Right. He didn't want Buster to be there. He wanted Paul and Maggie to be there. So I think there's something there as well. At that point, that's when Gloria Satterfield case was her case hadn't been tried or anything but that's when the boys were like hey we haven't gotten any money and he started getting pressure from that as well Mm -hmm. so it was all just like this big catalyst of all of his stuff that he had done like maybe maggie was just tired of his shit yeah you know he's on drugs it could have been meth he said that it was opiates Mm -hmm. so he's on drugs he's financially just being looked at in so many different ways and he's keeping it from her because remember paul's girlfriend said that paul had to help him detox Mm -hmm. and they were too scared to tell maggie yeah there's a lot going on i don't blame maggie for not wanting to be around yeah also that day he had taken paul out to shoot guns and they videotaped it yeah and so that's proof right there they have video time stamped of him shooting a gun so later if they tested his hands for gun residue and they found any then he could use that as an excuse so all fucking day this guy is hanging out with his kid knowing it's knowing he's going to be murdered later. Yeah, and it really does seem like a last-ditch effort to spend a last day with his son. That's so fucking sad. Yeah. So they go in and eat at the house, and they brought him back together to see his dad, but then... 
He doesn't take them to see his dad. Yeah, so that part doesn't make sense either. So they all had a family dinner together. Mm -hmm. And then the reason why they were there was to go see his dad. And then he left to go visit his dad and left them down at the kennels. Mm -hmm. So right there, that doesn't make any sense. That's the whole reason why they were there. Right. If he wasn't involved in the killing, why wouldn't he take them with him? Exactly. Because his mom had dementia and then his dad had cancer. And so his dad was on his last leg and he told their caretaker... Later on, if anybody asks how long I was over at the house, tell them 45 minutes. Right. And the caretaker was like, that's not true. He was was there there for maybe 20 at the most. And another thing is how many times he changed his clothes. The part that really gets me is that in the videos where he was with Paul, he was wearing one outfit. And then when he went to visit his dad and saw the caretaker, he was wearing a different outfit. He also, they had another person that worked for them, kind of like Gloria. She was originally a person that worked at the courthouse with Alec. And then he's like, I need somebody to help Maggie out with the boys. But her and Maggie end up being really close. And they would talk every day. The food that they ate their last supper, she made for them. Oh, that's Her testimony was really crucial because she talked about how Alec was very finicky about the way he looked. He liked his collars folded a certain way, his clothes folded and put away a certain way. Mm -hmm. He's very particular, uh, psycho, (laughs) (laughs) kind of a red flag there or an M.O. there. She talked about how when Alec was getting ready that morning, how he was just, his hair was a mess, his clothes were a mess, and his collar was messed up. And she had to go fix it. And she goes, come here. He's like, all right, B. He called her B. I'll see you later. And he left. Oh, yeah. He tried to basically Jedi mind trick her, I guess, and be like, hey, you remember the shirt I was wearing today? It was this. And she was like, no, I fixed your collar. I remember what shirt you're wearing. And it wasn't that. Yeah, because he tried to say it was a shirt that didn't have a collar on Mm -hmm. it. He changed his clothes three different times that day. So he had on one outfit when he was with Paul shooting the guns. And then he had on, I think, another outfit when he went to visit his father. And then when he called 911, he had on a T-shirt and shorts. Yeah. And it was a white T-shirt. And he had told the police that he arrived on the scene, saw Paul and Maggie dead, and he rushed over to them and checked their pulse. And both of them were gone. Yet there's no blood on any of his clothes or his hands. Exactly. It leads me to believe that he killed them. Yeah. And then took a shower, cleaned up, changed his clothes. And his shirt was kind of wrinkly. He just looked right. thrown together. Yeah. And like he quickly just threw something else. Exactly. On. And it kind of matches how part of the Stephen Smith case when his shirt was taken off and his shirt right. was changed. Almost like he knew how to get rid of evidence. Yep. And then when the police arrived on scene, he's like, I have a gun around back because of the what happened. And he was sobbing when he came up and he gets in the car and they're like, well, walk us through what happened. And he's like, well, I went up to my mom and dad's house and then I went back to the house and I fell asleep on the couch. Try to play it like he was never there. But the key piece of evidence that proved that he was absolutely lying and he admitted to lying was he say to the judge, oh, what a tangled web we weave. Because of this lie. Yeah. He said that he was back at the house. He never came to the kennels. That that was just Paul and Maggie and that he fell asleep on the couch and he particularly had his phone 
not active during that time. He mm-hmm. was at least smart about that. And then he woke up and went straight to his dad's house. Yeah. And I'm like, why didn't you bring Maggie and Paul? Wasn't yeah. that the reason they were there? Exactly. So you're just going to dip out and leave them at the kennels? Yeah. And they didn't even want to be there in the first place. The key piece of evidence was that Paul was watching a dog at the kennels of his friends. That was a neighbor. And he grew up with him and the family and stuff. And he was out of town and he had a new puppy. And so he was watching the dog. And I guess it was kind of well known that phone signal out that way was kind of bad. So he's trying to take a video on his phone and send it to his friend to be like, hey, your puppy's good. But he couldn't send it to him. So he just took a video. And in the video, you hear Maggie talking in the background, Paul messing with the dog. And then you hear Alec yep, yep. call for Buddy, yep. Maggie's dog. Could hear his voice clear as day. So that puts him at the scene of the crime. Yep. And it was time stamped for maybe five minutes before they died. And when they ask him if he lied, he got on the stand and said, yeah, I lied. But he doesn't explain why. Right. So, yeah, that's why he's sitting in prison right now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, another thing is when they went and searched the property afterwards, they found bullet cases from the same bullets that killed Paul and Maggie. And so not only did they have record of the gun that shot them, they own that gun, but that gun was mysteriously missing from the property. Oh, and then when he went to go see his parents, they were tracking his phone. And then right before he got to his parents' house, he stopped the car. It stopped for about a good five minutes. And then he continued on again. And when they asked him why, he said he dropped his phone down the seat. So he had to pull over and grab his phone and it was stuck between the seats. But they theorize that that's probably where he dropped the guns. Oh, it was on Mandy's podcast. She talked about, in case you haven't listened to previous episodes, she does a very forensic, detailed podcast on these cases. It's from a court's perspective. So it's like case file and she's an investigative reporter. So it's very by the book and it's in order and stuff. So if you're interested in that, go check her out. She's awesome. But she talked about how they were looking through that part of the woods and they didn't know why. That's why. But also they found Maggie's phone down the road too, hmm. down the street. I didn't yeah. know that part. Yeah, they found it the next day. So part of me is like, was he trying to figure out where to toss her phone? Because he didn't turn it off. They had the Find My iPhone and it was down the street. Why was it down the street? That's weird. It should either be at the house or with her. And Paul's phone was by his body. And Alec had said when he first talked to the cops, I tried to pick up Paul's phone and do something with that. But then I put it down real quick. It just seemed like a weird thing to say. Mm-hmm. Them getting the passcode to his phone and cracking it open is what broke that case. Yeah. I mean, he was really trying. It felt like the OJ case, like the glove doesn't fit when they were talking about that there was two different guns. Yeah. So it had to been two different shooters. Yes. But I'm like, he is an avid gun owner. He shoots all the time. He's an attorney and his whole family is connected to the law. And all these previous murders. And if you have two different guns, he knows that that's going to make it look like there was two other people. So that would make sense. Even shot from different perspectives. Mm -hmm. So they theorized that one of them should have been pretty short. So he even shot one of them on his knees Mm -hmm. to make it look like it was from somebody short. Trigger warning, but Paul's brains were blown out of the back of his head. How could you do that? To your baby. And one of the jurors wasn't going to convict him because she couldn't wrap it around her head that somebody could kill their kid like that or kill family like that. I mean, it does happen quite often yeah and the first time around she said not guilty because she couldn't she couldn't believe it couldn't even believe that but the second time it was unanimous right guilty and that's why i've been channeling the victims at the end of each one of these you know i was on the fence about it and that's why i didn't want to channel maggie and paul today it's just it's so brutal the way that they were taken from this earth Mm -hmm. 
And right now, I'm just not feeling tapping into that type of energy. Yeah, that's a thousand percent okay. And also, we know who killed him. Yeah. He's in prison. After the initial crime was committed, he and Buster were out going to vacations and doing all this stuff that didn't seem like they were grieving. I can't speak for Buster. This was just speculation Mm -hmm. from some of the attorneys. Oh, the other part was... Basically, when there's any kind of crime like that, any kind of murder, there is specific companies that come and clean the mess up, Mm -hmm. right? They're trained, they're certified, whatnot. And these services were offered to the Murdochs and they declined it, which was very odd behavior. And Randy took the stand, which is Alex's brother, and he was asked, like, did you clean up the crime scene? And he goes, yeah, I felt like I owed that to Paul Mm. and da, 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 da. And it just seemed very suspicious why he oh, that would... does sound suspicious. Yes. Why would you... Especially you have all that money and then you don't want to pay the $1,000 or whatever it yeah. is to have a crew come out. And clean it up to see your nephew. You want to see your nephew with the back of his head mm-hmm. blown off? Like, yeah, that doesn't make sense either. N- yeah, that was definitely... They were probably moving the guns or doing whatever. Yeah, that's suspicious. And he also was like, of course, I wanted to make sure it was okay that I did that. So I got the go-ahead by, I believe, the sheriff. One of the officers that gave him the okay, which of course, it was a Murdoch person that gave him the go ahead to do that. But the motive there is like, why would he kill Paul and Maggie? Like, why would he feel so much pressure to do so? But I mean, there's a lot of different theories out there. And there was a lot going on. Like we talked about in the beginning, everything's falling down on him financially. He's done some dirty shit within his own company. And they were starting to realize it and really start investigating him for that. One of the girls at his company, that is like really smart no nonsense all of that went to ask him about some of it first of all he's really shitty to her he was like what do you want now and she was like that wasn't inside of his character and then in the middle of the phone call he got a call about his dad taking a turn for the worst and then that whole situation changed so yeah she's not gonna yeah. lean into him when his dad's dying so right. she was like I guess we'll just deal with this another time but it very much seemed like he was emotionally manipulating people in that sense too but even with Paul in the boat accident He was being sued for that. And he was still drinking on boats. He was still throwing parties on boats. He got in trouble for being drunk on the boat. And that looked really bad because they were going over the case and having hearings about him basically causing the murder of Mallory Beach. And so that was another pressure on Alec. And it's become very obvious between all these other episodes we've done before this that Alec needs to be in control of everyone and they do what they're told. Right, and Maggie wasn't even living at the house with him anymore. He was losing control. He was losing control of Maggie and he might have felt like he had lost control of Paul as well. And Paul knew a lot. Yep, the Gloria Satterfield The Gloria Satterfield thing. You never know what he might have said to his dad out of anger. You know, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. Yeah. And maybe he just got to the point where my wife and my son are going to fuck me over because everything's falling down me and they're the two people that could really put me away for everything that I've yeah. done. So I have to take them out. Yeah. And especially being like on drugs, not in the right mindset, all the stress, all the pressure. And Maggie's getting a forensic accountant to look through their mm-hmm. financials. Yeah. That's not for his benefit. That's to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And Paul being very distraught about Gloria because she was like a Nana to him. If you've ever dealt with a narcissist, you know, when they start to feel like they've lost control, that's when they go crazy. They spiral. They spiral for mm-hmm. sure. He was pretty intelligent about a lot of the way he did it. Mm-hmm. But there were some things where I was like, dude, that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. 
And when they're spiraling, they're, they're not they're not thinking clearly. Yeah, exactly. He landed right where he deserves. Mm-hmm. A few months after Maggie and Paul were murdered, that's when cousin Eddie steps into oh, the shit, picture. I Oh my God. Yeah. Cousin Eddie. Right. And so cousin Eddie, his name is Curtis Eddie Smith and he's a distant cousin to Alex. Right now he is currently in the Lexington County jail under protective custody for safekeeping. Like they can't have him around anybody else. Basically his only contact with the world is the guards and his attorney. I didn't know that. I didn't think he he was in jail. Uh, If you see this man do the interview for the Netflix special, he's like very, he just looks like somebody that's been on drugs for a long time. Like he looks like a shady motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently there was like this whole big thing that Eddie and Alex had set up together where Alex was pretty much like, I'm going down for these murders of my wife and my child. And if I go away, my other son, Buster, isn't going to get anything. He's just going to be in debt. He knew he was going down at that point because the detective pulled him in and then goes, your timelines are kind of fuzzy and I need to talk to you about them. And that's when he's like, walk me through your day again. Mm -hmm. And then that's when Alex's like, am I a person of interest? And he goes, I have to go where the evidence is leading me and the evidence is not leading me anywhere else. And then that's when Alex was like, oh shit, cousin Eddie. Right. So they plotted this scheme where he would fake that he had something wrong with his car or flat tire or something Eddie would come by and shoot him in the head Mm -hmm. and kill him that way his son Buster would get the 10 million dollars life insurance but it went wrong (laughs) more insurance we don't know what went wrong because (laughs) there is so much to unpack with this whole story September 2021 a few months after the deaths of Maggie and Paul Alex made a 911 call saying that he was shot in the head while changing a tire. Later, he admitted that he planned the murder-suicide scam for insurance money. $10 million would go to his son, Buster. And this was what he planned with Cousin Eddie. Dude, but is Cousin Eddie in jail for, like, was he charged with something? Yeah. Oh, I, so dude, I thought he was charged with shit. I didn't know that. Eddie's in jail on drug trafficking and money laundering charges. Money la- oh, because he cashed the checks. Mm-hmm. He cashed a lot of checks. For oh, Al- I don't know why I thought he didn't get charged with that. Okay, so yeah, Alec was having him cash checks and in his interview, he was like, I, I asked him if it was illegal and he said no. And he goes, so I cashed it and I gave all the money to him. Mm-hmm. But then I told him I wasn't going to do it no more because I'm not his little fetch boy or whatever. Right. And even when they were talking about, <laughs> I mean, he he's funny, but at the same time, like he's probably done some shit in his life. Oh, yeah. He definitely you know what looks I mean? like, like a criminal. Yeah, he looks like a criminal. And so when he was arguing this whole thing, he was saying, I was four feet away from him. If I was trying to shoot him, he'd be dead. And the way he looked, I believed him. Yeah. According to Alex's lawyers, they say that Eddie was totally down for this scam because he was going to get some money out of it, but he missed. And I think that really pissed off Eddie that these attorneys on Alex's side are just being like, yeah, he was going to do it. You know, he was totally down. The whole objective was for Alex to die. And that's what Alex wanted. And then that pissed Eddie off. And he was like, if I was trying to shoot him, he'd be dead. Right. Because maybe that's embarrassing. Yeah. You know, to get out to the public. And how does that make him look that he couldn't shoot somebody from four feet away? Yeah. You know, so I feel like he was just like, no, fuck that shit. And he was cashing checks for him up until then. Yeah. 
Exactly. So what motive would he have had if Alec wasn't in on it to shoot him? Mm -hmm. He was making money before. Eddie gave a news interview and he said that he pulled up and Alex was begging him to just shoot him. And then he grabbed Alex by the arm and took the gun from him and the gun went off. And in the middle of their scuffle, he knocked Alec down to the ground and Alec busted the back of his head on the asphalt. He was bleeding from the back of his head, but Eddie says it was not a gunshot. He hit his head on the road. And so when he called 911 and the paramedics got there and everything, he kept saying, I got shot in the head. But Eddie says it wasn't. And even when you go over the hospital records, Mm -hmm. nothing in there says that he did get shot in the head. The news had said it. It says in the reports, Mm -hmm. because this is coming from Eddie's lawyer, the news went with it. But if you look at the wording, it says Alex said that he was shot in the head. Mm -hmm. Everything was saying like hearsay from Alex. So there's no real definite proof that he got shot in the head like Mm -hmm. at all. And so in the meantime, Eddie's in jail right now under protective custody. And his attorney said that he's having like health issues and he's not getting the medication that he needs and he's in isolation. So they're really trying to make it where Eddie's the victim in this whole thing. Like poor Eddie, like he's stuck in jail. And And in his interview, he's like, yeah, he went around telling everybody that I tried to shoot him, but I didn't do it. So all we really do know for sure is that Eddie met Alex on the side of that road. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. And then Alex did get some type of wound on his head and then Eddie took off. So whatever really happened, I don't know if we'll ever know. To me, it really shows Alex guilt. Yeah. Because he, in his mind, was just like, man, I'm going to prison for the rest of my life. I did do this and I think they're going to be able to prove it. And I at least want my son Buster to not have to deal with the financial part. That kind of housekeeper assistant B, she had mentioned in her interview, she had said that Alec came home and she said she didn't know that he'd been interviewed by the police officer. But that's when he was grilling her about his outfits that day that's when he was doing the Je- jedi mind trick thing on her like oh yeah you know i was wearing that and he goes because i just got a bad feeling i got a bad feeling and he was freaking out and she's like it was really discerning because i didn't know about the interview at the time he mm-hmm. just seemed like he's freaking out over nothing right but that's when he knew yeah. I'm going away yeah and then eddie's attorney was also talking about she has a theory and her theory is that alec lured eddie out there mm-hmm. under this false pretense that you're going to shoot me in the head so we can do this insurance scheme mm-hmm. and then when eddie got out there he scuffled with him and the gun went off Right. Nobody got hurt from an actual gunshot wound. But the attorney is trying to say that she thinks that he was trying to blame everything on Eddie. Like Eddie shot my wife. Eddie shot my kid. And now he came out here to finish the job. Yeah. Which still doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, how the fuck does Eddie know you're going to get a flat tire? And just happen to meet you on the road. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like none of that makes any that, sense. That does sound like a drug addict's it, logic, right? It really does. But at the same time, they really did investigate Eddie to see if he could have been a part of Maggie and Paul's death. Mm-hmm. And he has a solid alibi. He was not there. They checked his phone records. They checked his computer. And he has an alibi that's concrete. Yeah. So Eddie did not do that. But it felt like Alec was trying to pin it on Eddie. One of my theories was researching before. It, d- it doesn't connect all the dots at all. But one of them was like, well, it really seems like he was involved in the drug cartel with mm-hmm. like the boats and having the landing strip and all that. I wonder if one of the cartel members like went out there and shot Paul and Maggie in front of him was like, keep your mouth shut. But it doesn't line up 
um, me and Saudi talked about it because I was like, maybe this is what happened, but it does not. Yeah, but then I was thinking that does make sense because he was connected like that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, just getting Maggie to come out and getting Paul to come out and just how everything went down and, you know, not taking them to his parents' house. Yeah. He went by himself five minutes after they were killed. Right. So it just feels like it was him. Yeah. It doesn't connect all the dots, but in the moment, it was a running theory Mm -hmm. before all the information processed through, you know. Right. And I mean, it does make me feel better knowing that he is in jail right now. Right. That after everything that Alec has done. And he's going to stay there because he's got two life sentences. They're consecutive. And the only person I really feel sorry for in all of this is, of course, the victims. Mm -hmm. In the episode that we did about Gloria, there were some things that came up in the channeled reading about Maggie and about her relationship with Gloria. But nobody deserves to die. Yeah. And she was a person. She was a mother. I feel bad for Buster, too. Yeah. Because his dad's in prison. His mom and his brother are gone. The nanny that raised him is dead. And, like, how that must feel to just the the loss of that. And still trying to love his dad through this. He did interviews and he's like, I don't believe that my dad did this. And people are calling him a killer as well. And he's like, you know, Buster's getting an interview and he asked the lady, has anybody ever accused you of being a murderer? Do you know how that feels? Yeah, the whole thing is tragic. But it's crazy how much there is to every single one of these. The fucking audacity of Alec is just mind-blowing yeah his ego is insane Mm -hmm. and just how he must have been raised Mm -hmm. and the conditioning that he must have had in his mind that he could literally get away with murder and he would be fine he did several times that we know of Mm -hmm. and in the interviews they talked about how when Alex's dad passes on the family wouldn't be the same in the sense of the way people behave it just makes me wonder too if we did some digging farther down what were Alex's teenage years like right did anybody mysteriously come up dead in his circle back then yeah because it just seemed like he started getting sloppy with it. Yeah. I don't know. I'd be interested in doing some deep diving and looking right. like at his past. Yeah. Because people were saying that lived in the community across Alec, you're going to come up missing. What they say, the Murdoch family makes people disappear. Right. But I'm so glad we did this. Yeah. I'm, I mean, it yeah. has been a saga. <laughs> <laughs> it has. You know, it is a tragedy and it takes a lot of energy, not just to research and go through, but the channeling of the victims. Mm-hmm. I do feel good about honoring each of them. Me too. Uh, and getting their messages out. I feel that Paul and Maggie, at least, their killer is in where he needs to be. Mm-hmm. But man, it, it's been a crazy ride, though. Yeah, I mean, I just want to thank everybody listening. Thanks yeah. for coming on this out. journey with yeah. us. I had a couple people say, I didn't watch any of the series. I didn't watch any of the documentaries because there's a lot of documentaries out. I think 48 Hours, Netflix. There's a lot of different coverage on this. And so it, even though it's very popular, some people haven't heard of it. I'm hearing about these cases the first time from you and then I get to hear from the victim. It's really interesting. And Well, we've also had a little bit of criticism oh yeah <laughs> what so, wait, 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 wait. you gotta tell <laughs> this is great okay so <laughs> you tell them what you posted okay go ahead okay so <laughs> we had this one lady um 
host and it was on the Stephen Smith episode and I channeled him at the end and if you've been following through you already know that he kept showing me an image of hit this little boy Mm -hmm. and I was getting like a nephew kind of energy and at the time and still today it doesn't matter how much I research and try to pull up anything on his twin sister I can't find anything I can find an Instagram where they have a birthday and I think Mandy posted that like happy birthday to Stephen and Stephanie yeah but I tried to look into her and I couldn't find we both did especially after that channel we both tried Mm -hmm. to find if she had a kid because you were like I don't know yeah I couldn't prove it because but that's what I felt that's what he said that's how it came through so I believe in spirit and what they're telling me is true right but I still felt weird about it because I couldn't prove it yeah somebody made a comment and they said that we were honky (laughs) that was the word they used and I was like honky what is honky (laughs) is that good I don't know I don't think it's good it was not I don't know southern dialect (laughs) it wasn't good and yeah, she was just going off about how I could have gotten any of this information online and stuff like that. And I'm looking at it like, no, I couldn't. Yeah. You tried after it, after the channeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. She was like, you guys were honky and <laughs> the channeling was something you could have gotten from watching anything or pulling anything offline. And then she was like, and Stephanie had her son after Stephen was killed. And we're like, bitch, you just proved it. You just proved her channeling because we didn't know that. Right. And I'm like, (laughs) wouldn't that make more sense that I channeled something that happened after he was already That's just somebody that doesn't understand. And so, yeah, we've gotten some negative little things like that, but mostly it's all been positive. I kind of had that mentality. There's a lot of people who are very religious and there's nothing wrong with that. The messages you got from several of the victims were like, hey, keep your faith. That was the message they have for their family. Keep your faith. And that's okay. If you don't understand what we do, that's okay. Keep your faith. Yeah. Call me honky. You don't hurt my feelings. That made me laugh. I mean, we are a little bit. We are. <laughs> I guess. I don't I mean, know. What's a different? I don't, I don't kind of Google it. <laughs> we have a honky tonk time every time we come on. <laughs> Stupid. Oh my God. But yeah, it's been a journey. And you learned something new with Mallory Beach. I did. Okay. So when we did the Gloria Satterfield case recording, it's very heavy, very beautiful, but very raw. And then we were going to go over the boat crash in the Mallory Beach case all on the same night. But when Saudi did the channeling for Gloria, it was very heavy on her. Yeah, I was like completely drained. I was Uh yawning. I was tired. And it was really funny too, because there's a lot of editing and stuff that we do Mm -hmm. with this. So some things go on behind the scenes that you don't necessarily hear. Me and Omni went upstairs and I looked to my left and we're just having a conversation. I looked to my left and Gloria was still standing there beside me. We were talking about Mallory because we were trying to decide Uh if we were going to do it because Saudi didn't know she felt it. And I was like, well, we can at least go over the case. If you don't feel the channeling, it's fine. And what did Gloria say to you? She said, oh, I knew Mallory. Yeah. And (laughs) And I look over and Saudi I was like, jerk. She was like, what the fuck? Like, and I was like, what? And she goes, she's still here. We didn't close her out because, <laughs> because we forgot. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so I had a, we had to like kind of do that whole thing where we yeah. closed out and we thanked her and, and closed her out and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But it was just funny things like that. Yeah. And then when we were down here, the lights were flickering. Oh, that's right. Because I burned a bunch of ancestor money and then Gloria's whole family came through. I mean, through. everybody. Everybody came through. And at one point, I said I saw a little girl face, but it was a doll face. But I saw it come through the wall. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh, there's a face coming through 
right there. Like I saw something. And then we were like, we need to burn some sage. And not that they were bad or anything. They were just saying hi. It was fine. But you know, when you invite a bunch of people over to your house, and it's like this family reunion, and they're only there for like an hour. And then you're like, okay, it's time to go. Yeah. And they're looking at you like, well, we just got here. Yeah. You know, they're still here. Yeah. And in the other situation, especially if I have like the family members Mm -hmm. here and stuff like that, we could have just kept that going. Right. Because I brought it up then that there was a lot of family members that Mm. really had a lot of stuff to say. Yeah. They were introducing themselves and it wasn't the vibe. Yeah. So it was just kind of cute that she was still with us even when we had. (laughs) I know her. She was like, oh, yeah, I knew Mallory. And then I was just, it scared me because I heard the voice. And then I was like, oh, shit, she's still here with us. Because we were talking about channeling her. We didn't know if she was going to come through Mm -hmm. because at that point, Saudi's like, I haven't heard from her. I was like, I heard from her. And we Mm -hmm. talk about that on that episode. So I won't go back over it. We won't get too deep into it, but I was drained and I didn't know if I wanted to continue to do it and do two part in one night. Mm -hmm. But then once we started and I started channeling her, she was such a light. She changed your life, really. Yeah. If you think about it. She did. And she just, she was so powerful and Mm -hmm. just so light and her energetic field energized me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was like almost bouncing off the walls, right? Yeah. Like I, yeah. I, you could see it, like the energy running through me. And then I even got home and my husband had just gotten off of work and he was tired and stuff. And I'm just like yeah. talking a mile a minute. And I still have that energy with me for like four hours. Yeah. I, she said, I'm not sleeping tonight. An hour and a half before that, she looked like she was going to fall to the floor. She was so drained. Right. It was so different. And remember you said she had to change her vibration to meet us here. Because she's usually not earthbound at all. Yeah. Because she's so high vibrational, she's up high. And so she dimensionally. Yeah. And so I kept seeing a vision of somebody diving into a lake and getting down to the bottom of the lake, but fighting to swim being at the bottom. Yeah, Once you get so far down, you have it pushes you back up. Yeah, exactly. So that's how she was. And so I'm really glad that we did that. Mm -hmm. And I experienced her. And I had to think a lot because at first I wanted to channel Maggie and Paul. But just knowing the depth of that, I mean, I could go in and they could be somewhere high vibrational but maybe they're not and I just don't really want to step into that territory right so sorry to all of you guys that I'm not channeling at the end but I just but honestly at this point I feel like they've gotten justice I do too so you know it doesn't need to happen yeah to be honest with you right and we did three channelings for this oh yeah. yeah and we learned so much like from Steven just being this like smart intelligent like sassy like i love yeah i loved his energy and then gloria being this beautiful sweet woman nurturing yeah having this family this tribe behind her it made me think about my family that's passed on and Mm -hmm. having that tribe on the other side for me and then mallory being this goddess type energy like Mm -hmm. just helping souls on the other side like it's been a beautiful experience it has been covering all of it and as much as Stephen hated being connected to the murdochs yeah being able to tell the story and go through it together it is a crazy roller coaster ride and just like thank you everyone who listened and who gave us a chance even the haters it's okay (laughs) call us honky we're honky But I'm happy to do this next to my best friend. I love you. I love you too. Mm -hmm. Okay, you guys, this is the end of our true crime crossover for this season. Don't forget to keep your minds open. Namaste.